Welcome to Smart Water Solutions Podcast. I am Hakim Elfadil. This is episode number 18. Today's guest is Dr. Peter Holmiensen, the CEO and co-founder of Aquaporin Membrane. Aquaporin Membrane is an innovative membrane that has high permeability and selectivity for the water thanks to the protein this membrane is actually leveraging what's happening in the nature. So Peter is going to talk about more about this membrane. We're going to learn about the portfolio and the values of aquaporin membrane portfolio compared to the conventional nanofiltration and reverse osmosis membrane. Also, we're going to learn about innovations happening inside aquaporin. So welcome, uh, Peter. Um, so, Peter, the first question that I have, which is, what was the path you took to get to where you are now today? Uh, well, it has been uh, quite a journey. <laughs> we started all the way back in 2005 with a more or less a conceptual idea of uh, reusing the, the way nature is filtered, uh, uh, water is filtered in nature. Um, and uh, when we started the company, it was... Uh, it was really only a conceptual idea that was uh, based on some uh, world-class uh, basic science. First uh, part of it was done by the American professor Peter Egre, who discovered uh, and identified aquaporin water channels as being the selective water channel uh, that you find in all living cells. He got the Nobel Prize for that in 2003. Um, and around the same time, we were also working on uh, on some uh, basic science uh, doing the first computer simulations of how uh, water is uh, filtered through uh, aquaponic water channels. Uh, and we did the first uh, molecular dynamic simulations uh, of how water uh, passes through the aquaporin uh, water channel. That was published in Science in 2003, uh, around the same time where Pideco got the Nobel Prize. And uh, since we did that basic science, we were also the first ones in the world to see how effective uh, nature is actually at uh, treating and filtering water. And it's uh, through these molecular dynamic simulations, you can see that uh, each aquaporin water channel filtrates 1 billion water molecules per second in single file even. And they even flip them 180 degrees, 1 billion water molecules per second in the middle of the uh, of the aquaporin uh, water channel um, and when you see this you uh, it's quite amazing to see how uh, effective uh, nature is and you uh, and and you uh, question well why change anything why not uh, reuse nature as it is in a more industrial context just like we do uh, with uh, other types of proteins uh, proteins are used for many uh, enzymatic processes in the industry today, uh, catalyzing different uh, industrial processes, or even for enzymes in washing powder, they're used. Um, it's companies like uh, like Novozymes uh, in Denmark, DSM in the Netherlands, and uh, Dupont or uh, Genenco in the US that are leading this field. But none of these companies have actually taken a membrane protein. That uh, that filtrates water and uh, and uh, use that in a larger industrial context. So um, we then uh, we actually more or less created a company based on that conceptual idea, because we knew that we had to um, bring together a lot of different scientific fields um, in order for us to uh, succeed in our technology development. And you actually only do that in a company setting. It's very hard. We normally say that we start in molecular biology and we end up in plumbing. There's a lot of scientific fields in between, and it, it's very hard to bring these uh, scientific fields together in a university setting. So that's why we uh, we really created the company at such an early stage. And we also had a very long uh, R&D period for that uh, reason. So uh, we actually had six to eight years of uh, of uh, somewhere in between basic science and applied science uh, in order to uh, create the foundation of our technology. Um, and today we have then spent the last three, four years of going from the, uh, the proven uh, proof of concept state into large industrial scale of uh, producing the aquaporin protein. 
uh, and also producing uh, aquaporin-based membranes in uh, millions of square meters uh, on an annual basis. And, uh, and that's where we are today. Um, you can see the aquaporin inside technology as a, as a new coding process where we, instead of using a, a chemical additive that is uh, one of the things that uh, the membrane industry uses a lot today, we use, as, uh, we use a biologic uh, as, a, as a natural additive that enhances the water filtration uh, uh, capabilities of uh, the membrane. So again, in that sense, it is really a convergence between biology and more classical uh, engineering or chemical engineering. Um, and that journey is uh, quite well described actually in a novel book that just came out by the former president of MIT, Susan Hockfield. She wrote a book in, uh, that came out in 2019 uh, called The Age of Living Machines. And the entire journey of uh, from when Peter Agri, he uh, discovered the, the water channels in, uh, in living cells until where aquaponics is today, is actually described in a full chapter in uh, Susan Hockfield's uh, new book. Um, what Susan Hockfield also describes is this uh, you could say scientific convergence between different scientific fields. And what I find particularly exciting about it is that um, Susan Hockfield describes, uh, you could say this technology convergence in parallel with the uh, technology convergence between uh, physics and engineering that actually created the IT industry. And it is Susan Hockfield's belief that this uh, convergence between biology and engineering will in the end create an entirely new industry vertical that can create uh, an industry revolution just like the IT uh, revolution has really transformed many different industries. So uh, we are quite happy to be part of that. Yeah, and, and the interesting thing, I mean, this discovery happens in the medicine field. And um, I mean, I'm wondering how you cross this I mean, concept and you realize it's at real product, uh, knowing that at that time, as you said, there were too many big players who um, working with our membrane and they are really reading, following every patent, every papers, but somehow they didn't come up to, you know, to this, um, to this concept. I mean, how did you come up to this? Is it by accident or you have been interested in what happened in, the, in other field or how did you come up to this concept? Well, it's actually because we were doing basic science in the field of uh, aquaporin proteins. So, uh, so the two founders of, uh, of uh, aquaporin is myself. I'm a, I'm a structural biochemist. I've been studying uh, protein structures in uh, three different industries. Uh, and then uh, Morten Jensen, the other co-founder, who's a more biophysicist. And it is uh, this, again, this initial convergence between biochemistry and biophysics biophysics work that uh, that really uh, created the conceptual idea uh, and it's actually my belief that if we can get the different scientific fields to uh, to talk together there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of new innovation that can be uh, discovered where we more or less already have the solutions we just need to understand each other's languages and that's why I say that we start in molecular biology and we end up in plumbing. But uh, uh, a molecular biologist has a different scientific uh, language than a plumber has. And a plumber also talks uh, differently from a biophysicist or an engineer. But if we can get to understand the language that you speak in each scientific field, uh, that will actually uh, uh, make a lot of new discoveries. Uh, I personally also believe that if we can get biotechnology and the IT industry to speak a common language, there's also a lot of new discoveries to be found in that field. So um, that's why for me, the, the, you would say the, the key word is really convergence, which is also a key, key word in uh, Susan Hockfield's book. It's a convergence between different scientific areas that, that, brings, the, that brings the solutions. Uh, my own background is that I've been studying uh, protein structures uh, first at the Carlsberg Laboratory in uh, basic science where I was sitting and uh, looking at protein structures on the surface of nerve cells. 
After that, I was working in the Danish biotech industry in drug discovery, looking at protein structures, both from a drug point of view, but also from a drug receptor point of view. Um, and then uh, in 2005, uh, I then jumped into the water industry. Um, but the red line from going from brewing to drug discovery and now into water filtration is that uh, the protein has always been the uh, active component uh, that I've been working with uh, from a scientific point of view. Uh, and I think that's why we uh, were the ones that actually discovered it. It's because we bring something else that uh, the conventional water industry uh, does not have an eye for and maybe also doesn't understand uh, today because uh, when you begin in molecular biology and biochemistry it's it's a different scientific language right and talking about conventional um, water treatment markets i mean yeah. when you um, let's say raise this products from an ID to a real product acting in at industrial scale, the market is full with so many reverse osmosis. Mm -hmm. So um, what was, let's say, the, the, the biggest challenge for you to overcome to put this product in the market? Yeah, so I think it's important, first of all, to say that, uh, that Aquaporin is not only offering reverse osmosis membranes, we're also uh, offering uh, full osmosis membranes and products. Uh, and, and what I think we are bringing to the market is really a new type of uh, natural additive where we use bio, biologics as uh, additives in, uh, in the production of uh, membranes. And from that, you can get a range of different types of membranes. You can get uh, reverse osmosis membranes for drinking water applications. You can get brackish water membranes for more industrial water treatment. And you can also get uh, seawater membranes for, for desalination purposes in the end, which, which we are working on today in our Singapore subsidiary, Aquaporin Asia. But you can also get uh, a new type of forward osmosis membranes where you, uh, you could say utilize the the energy that is given to us by nature being osmosis um, and in uh, in that context uh, are uh, they have the advantage that by nature they are actually designed to work at zero bars of pressure so only using osmosis as the driving force mm -hmm. whereas uh, more conventional polymeric membranes they are actually designed to uh, have a certain uh, pressure uh, and then the pores in the membrane open up uh, in an aquaporin. The aquaporin water channel is always open. So it doesn't need uh, any applied pressure before it actually opens up. And that's why it can work at a zero bar of pressure. Um, and that's also why using aquaporins for uh, not only a new generation of reverse osmosis membranes, but also an entirely new type of uh, biometric membrane and an uh, entirely new type of uh, forward osmosis membranes is uh, is something that we focus a lot on. Um, and if I should dig a little bit further into uh, what is the what is the value proposition with our reverse osmosis membranes and what is the value proposition for forward osmosis membranes, maybe we should take them uh, separately. Um, Okay, I mean, th that could be very interesting to explain, I mean, to the audience. Um, looking, I mean, let's say the added value of um, aquaporin when it replaces, let's say, reverse osmosis, or when it acts like reverse osmosis. So what is the added value of aquaporin in this specific case? Mm -hmm. Yes. And again, I have to differentiate a little bit about whether it is... Uh, uh, tap water membranes for drinking water applications, whether it's brackish water membranes or seawater membranes for desalination. But let's start by the products that are on the market today being the tap water membranes for drinking water applications, point of use and point of entry uh, systems. Here, um, I think uh, it is important to say that uh, there's a lot of good reverse osmosis membranes out there uh, today. Uh, reverse osmosis uh, membrane technology is a very mature uh, technology. And I think what we bring to the market is an alternative reverse osmosis membranes. So uh, um, all the different types of reverse osmosis membranes that are on the market today, they are, they are more or less made in the same way. 
no matter whether it's a DAO or Terrain or Nisudenko. They might use a different type of uh, chemical additive in the, in the formulation of the, of the polyamide layer in the membranes. But as such, uh, uh, it is a polymeric membrane that, uh, that they're using and then uh, applying different uh, additives to the uh, selective layer in order to tweak performance of the membranes. Uh, and as you also mentioned, there is a lot of uh, good uh, reverse osmosis membranes out there today. What we offer is an alternative. It's an alternative reverse osmosis membrane that, because we use the aquaporin uh, formulation as the uh, natural additive, we can tweak and customize the performance of the, of the membrane, which means we can actually provide a different ionic profile of, uh, of the water. Um, uh, for instance, we, uh, we, we can tweak the, uh, the, the performance of the membrane so we, we get a higher uh, flow of calcium and magnesium, for instance, through the membrane compared to other uh, ions. And if you look for uh, healthy drinking water, it's actually important that you do not uh, purify the water too much. You still need some of the salts and minerals that are in the water. And in that context, what we are trying to bring to the market is what we uh, promote is a water made by nature that has a different ionic profile, a different taste profile, uh, which we believe is much more healthy than uh, reverse osmosis water, which in many ways are too pure to drink. Um, so um, I, I think you should see our tap water membranes as a, an alternative reverse osmosis technology. But not something that suits all, but something that could be a differentiator in uh, in the market space for drinking water applications, especially for point of use or point of interest systems. If we then look into brackish water membranes and uh, seawater membranes uh, in uh, in reverse osmosis, uh, I, I think our uh, major selling point here is uh, increased capacity, so higher flow rate uh, with uh, the same rejection rate as the conventional reverse osmosis membranes. And here in the first generation of our technology, we are looking at between 15 to 30% uh, uh, water flux uh, increase, uh, depending on what you benchmark against. And here, of course, as you also know, the, uh, it, it is important that you have a certain purity of your water. Um, whereas for drinking water applications, uh, it's actually important that the water do not become too pure because then you will have to remineralize the water afterwards. Right. So, so that's very good points. I mean, I, I yeah, I really forgot that point. Normally, I mean, I've been doing some in, in the past some troubleshooting in one cross line, and then they have um, they have distillation, they have also the membrane reverse osmosis, and then after they use reverse osmosis in deep in the sea in the ocean or ocean in the seawater. Mm -hmm. They need to add minerals, as you said, in yeah. order to be able to drink it. Mm -hmm. And now, if I understand correctly, it makes perfect sense to have a membrane that can demineralize the water, but it should be smart enough to keep some, you mm -hmm. know, some minerals yeah. for the human drinking. Yeah, exactly. There are many uh, point of views and point of entry systems today, which are, um, you would say, they are designed in a manner that uh, that fits the available technologies. Uh, but in many ways, it's uh, two steps forward and one step back, uh, where I would say the mineralization step is one step back. And instead, you can actually design your your reverse osmosis membrane in a manner where you where you uh, remineralize. Uh, you don't have to remineralize uh, the water afterwards, so it's only one step forward instead of uh, two steps forward and one step back. Right, and then. then Technically speaking, um, so to me, the aquaporin, let's say, is a protein that enable high water permeability. Mm -hmm. And then there is another layer, which is the way how I understand the aquaporin membrane that you are producing is like you are pregnant. I mean, like, like you are just putting so many millions of protein on the membrane surface and those yeah. protein, they're the one who are responsible for the high permeability. Am I correct or wrong? Uh, no, you're correct. That's uh, you could say it's a little bit uh, like uh, like uh, giving EPO to a uh, Tour de France uh, cyclist. 
the membrane performs better when it gets the the acupoint protein <laughs> <laughs> okay and then um so after you produce it and it's it's technically it's proven that i mean those there is an aquaporin actually a protein they still be there once you cast the memory you produce the memory you put it in in a spiral one so it the protein are still there and they're still active yes that's correct right. yeah. and then the, the way how you said you tune the membrane in such a way to meet the customer need in terms of drinking water so what are you tuning the, the other membrane which is not the protein or the amount of the protein it's uh, it's in a combination okay. uh, the the way that we uh, that we produce our membranes today is actually uh, applying conventional uh, membrane technology and then adding the aquaponic inside formulation in uh, in first uh, you cast the conventional membrane and then you uh, do the coating in a conventional thin thin film composite uh, production process and as part of that process you apply the aquaporin inside formulation in the thin film composite layer. Um, and that's why I also call the aquaporin inside formulation a sort of a natural additive uh, where you actually, instead of using chemicals, you use biologics in there. Um, and uh, that's also why our reverse osmosis uh, technology is actually also quite suitable for, uh, for licensing purposes where other companies could also get access to the aquaponic inside uh, technology and then apply that to the um, to their already installed reverse osmosis uh, membrane capacity uh, and by adding the uh, the aquaponic inside formulation you could actually increase the entire capacity of the already installed uh, membrane production and then uh, looking at me to to the solution that you are offering um so your portfolio has, um, if I understood correctly, four solutions offering to the market. There's tape water membranes, which is, as you mentioned, it's the aquaporin membrane developed to treat the dissolved the, the, water for drinking. There is a hollow fiber forward osmosis modules. There is aquaporin inside. And there is, I think, action aqua. Is there three or four um, products that you are solving the, the water market? We have um, we have four different types of membranes that we are developing based on the aquaponin side technology. Uh, two of them are commercially available today. Two of them are still in development. So let's take them uh, one by one. Um, first of all, we have our tap water membranes for point of use and point of interest systems. And what we're doing here is we are selling the tap water elements to the point of use and point of interest system providers. And by doing that, together with our customers, we can create an entirely new value proposition to the end user, uh, being the uh, being the the people that drink the water from from the or use the water from the point of entry or point of use systems. Um, but our focus here is to provide the membrane elements to the point of use and point of entry system integrators. Then we have our forward osmosis membranes, uh, which is uh, based on a hollow fiber uh, standard form factor. So we actually do not produce the hollow fibers ourselves. We buy them off the shelf, and then we apply the aquaponin inside formulation on the inside of the hollow fibers, which transforms the uh, the hollow fiber module from a conventional ultrafiltration module into a forward osmosis module with uh, unprecedented high uh, rejection rates and still very good flow rate compared to other uh, forward osmosis uh, membranes that are in the market um, and here our our market focus is to use it for dewatering of uh, difficult wastewater streams uh, it could be textile wastewater, it could be um, pharmaceutical wastewater, it could be semiconductor wastewater, wastewater streams that are difficult to treat with the conventional uh, industry uh, yeah, uh, solutions that, that you have today. 
And then the other opportunity that forward osmosis also offers is uh, to use it for cold concentration in the food and beverage industry, where again, the goal, just like if you dewater uh, a wastewater stream, thereby reducing the volume of the wastewater in the, in the food and beverage industry, in many cases, the only thing you have to get rid of is actually the water if you want to concentrate or refine a product. Uh, it could be in a concentration of coffee, in concentration of different juices, in a concentration of soil, in concentration of um, beer for that matter, or other beverages. Uh, and here what we can offer with our technology is that we are able to extract water and nothing else. Uh, from your product. And we do that at room temperature. So this means that you actually allow anything else but the water to stay in your, either in your wastewater or in your food and beverage product. And uh, this is something that no other technology can do today. Um, here, we in, in reverse osmosis, uh, sorry, in forward osmosis, uh, we, are, um, we are really um, uh, bringing a new value uh, proposition which uh, benchmarks against either evaporation uh, or vacuum um, um, or conventional uh, reverse osmosis technology and in all three processes today um, you are not able to up concentrate um, at room temperature like we are without uh, losing uh, any volatiles or uh, aromatic compounds from your food and beverage product, uh, and you are not able to uh, extract water and only water from your wastewater streams. But you can actually do that with the forward osmosis uh, technology that we provide today. Okay, if I would, let's say, focus on those two products, I mean, the tape water membranes and the whole fiber forward osmosis modules. Yes. Uh, would you share some of, let's say, um, you know, two, let's say, conventional applications and the other two applications where actually conventional technology could not work? I mean, just success story, just to learn how much CapEx, how much OPEX really um, the customer would save or someone who's using the member would really save if they would use um, and those two membranes. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think if, if we start with the uh, uh, with the tap water reverse osmosis membranes for uh, for point of use and point of entry uh, systems, the goal here is really to create a higher standard in your product water, being the drinking water. So in in that sense, there's no uh, opex or capex saving in it. It is a matter of providing higher quality in the water that the end consumer will be drinking. Um, so uh, in that sense, that is uh, quite uh, that they, they, in that sense you should not be looking for better opex or capex. You should be looking for higher quality in the in the water that you drink. And that's also why our value proposition is that uh, it's water made by nature. It is more healthy uh, uh, healthier to your body to drink than conventional uh, RO water is. Um, and you do not need any remineralization step in the process because we have customized our rejections um, in, in the water to the extent that it still allows some uh, minerals and ions to pass through. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah I see it's... Um... Well, let's say, let's say the value is, is more than OPEX and CAPEX. It's, it's a human head, I would say, that, that I'm seeing. Yes, yes. And that's why I say it, it's really a, it's a, it's a quality uh, issue here rather than a cost issue. Um, and many consumers, uh, they are actually looking for alternatives what is, to what is provided today because they understand that uh, the water that we, uh, that we drink today is uh, it's important that it is healthy for your body that's also why it is uh, which is the, the bottled uh, drinking water market is exploding these days it's close to 10 times as high as the market for point of use and point of interest systems but if you look at it from sustainability point of view it's a disaster that we are trucking water um, around the world in uh, in plastic bottles 
First of all, because you actually get plastic uh, contaminants in your drinking water. Secondly, because from a sustainability point of view, it is not very sustainable to uh, truck water around the world in plastic bottles. It consumes approximately 70 times more energy than treating your local tap water in a filtering process. Um, so um, you could say in many ways for the point of use and point of interest systems, our competitor is actually bottled water. It's not the other uh, reverse osmosis uh, uh, membrane providers. Uh, I would say we would like to increase the likability of locally filtered tap water um, and try to get rid of bottled uh, plastic water. Um, so you general. mean, yeah. So you mean using um, those membrane in in our houses, for example? Yes, exactly. Okay. And that is much more conventional than drinking uh, plastic bottled water. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, also those plastic bottled water, they're also a company who use reverse osmosis membrane and they play with our own NF and they sell somehow water with less mineral stuff like that. So this is how they play also their marketing stuff. This is also how they play it, but putting it into uh, to bottles and then trucking it uh, uh, around gives you a carbon footprint that is 70 times higher than filtering it in your own house. So again, from a sustainability point of view, it is much more sustainable to uh, go out and buy a point of use systems for your kitchen and then filter your water locally. Uh, and it's actually more healthy to your body. It is much more sustainable from a carbon footprint point of view and you will get no plastic contaminants in your drinking water in that way. And I mean, as far as I know, for example, in, in uh, I think in India, there is a big, and also in China, there is a big resident markets, residential markets for, for a small RO membrane that can use actually three bar from the tape water and can filter the water. Yes, that's correct. And this then, market, this is what, uh, what, is, uh, what is named either point of entry or point of use systems. Uh, and the market for point of uh, entry and point of use systems uh, is around 30 billion US dollars today. So it's already a huge market and approximately 10% of that is the membrane market. So uh, already today, there is a huge existing market for the, uh, for the tap water reverse osmosis membranes out there. But on top of that, you can also look at the uh, opportunities that the market for, uh, for bottled water and the market for bottled water today is actually closing in on 200 billion US dollars annually. Um, and in many ways, um, it is a little bit of a disaster that every minute around the globe, we consume around 1 million liters of uh, plastic bottled water. Wow. This is around half a trillion uh, plastic bottles of water that are consumed each year. Um, and you, if you look at that from a sustainability point of view, it would be much more sustainable uh, and, and a much better value proposition for everybody if uh, people were filtering the local tap water uh, and then uh, use that for, for drinking instead of uh, us trucking water around the globe. Right. And then in this case, I mean, um, what do you think? I mean, normally... Uh, Right now, most of the company, they realize that com community is essential to grow any company in the world. So are you working on that? I mean, on this aspect, just to grow communities aware of the value of those things and then give them the choice to pick up which technology actually makes sense for their, their health. Yeah, um, that's what we have just been starting on. If you, uh, what is a little bit uh, unique about where we are today is that if you looked at Aquapone two, uh, two years ago, uh, we had no products on the market uh, and we have just started our commercial uh, journey. Um, but just looking at the point of use and point of entry uh, market, there are so many different opportunities. And, and uh, what we would really like to uh, to, uh, to bring into the market and get a much better understanding of it also for a broader audience is that how much more uh, sustainable it is to, uh, to filter your uh, water locally than, uh, than drinking uh, plastic bottled water. 
Um, so that that is for sure one of the things that we are uh, trying to uh, increase awareness of. But um, we have just started that uh, that process. But it's it's something that we will uh, focus a lot on in the years to come. Right. And then if I look to your portfolio, I mean, there's two products, which is tape water and whole fiber forward osmosis yeah. modules. Yeah. Uh, which one is bread and butter, I would say, the, 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 the most sold products in your... Well, as mentioned, we have just started our uh, commercial journey. So uh, our bread and butter is primarily our investors. Okay. And uh, we have just started our, our commercial journey. So... Um, what we're doing today is we are working together with uh, a lot of different companies uh, around the world in uh, in showing uh, proof of concept in uh, in the different markets that we are focusing on being point of use point of entry uh, industrial water treatment and uh, food and beverage uh, concentration processes and um, uh, as you also know, you need to do uh, quite a lot of uh, piloting in the in the water industry be, be, before you really uh, can do a large scale up. Mm -hmm. So actually, in uh, in all four markets, what we're doing primarily today is that we are uh, that we are piloting. Um, and a good example is the uh, is the pilot that we're doing with the uh, Ford Water. Uh, where we use our uh, forward osmosis technology to uh, dewater difficult wastewater streams. Um, and uh, once we have proven uh, each pilot, which we have done now with forward water, then that specific market uh, opens up uh, for, for larger installations. Um, so this is our, our focus this year is, uh, is bringing our pilot into larger installations. Okay, I mean beyond the tape water, it's I mean, I I have the impression it's it's already tested, confirmed, validated. It 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 add it really add value to the market. So beyond the tape water, um, um, looking to other specific applications. So which are two or three applications that you based on the testing that you have done on the markets? You believe it's those two or three applications already you have products which really add value to these applications yeah um i i think a very good case that we just uh, announced uh, is our is our pilot case with ford water where we actually prove economical viability for using ford osmosis uh, all the way to zero liquid discharge in uh, industrial water treatment um, and here, obviously, it is very important to look into the uh, to the uh, OPEX and CAPEX calculations. So, saying how, uh, what, what is your uh, what is your return rate on your investment? And here, it is important for us to say that what we provide again is the core technology. So, we are really trying to create this uh, Gore-Tex-like. Uh, company, but it is only in close collaboration with system integrators, like for instance, Ford Water, where you can actually sit down and together in a partnership, do the full OPEX, uh, CAPEX calculation and see whether it makes uh, economical sense for the industry or not to implement Ford osmosis. Okay. And I mean, it's, when talking about zero liquid discharge, I mean, uh, talking about applications, for example, is um, is the the milk industry something um, that's that is well established and that you are looking for? Uh, I think the milk industry is something that uh, we will be opening up now, where we have uh, <clears throat> developed uh, the first um, uh, forward osmosis product using tubular membranes. Uh, one and a half year ago, we put the first uh, uh, forward osmosis uh, product into the market, which were based on hollow fibers, which has a diameter of 200 microns in diameter. Now, that diameter is a little bit too narrow for milk concentration. So for milk concentration, you would have to go for a, a, a different standard form factor than uh, hollow fibers. And uh, for that reason, we have actually developed uh, turbular forward osmosis product in close collaboration with Berghof membranes 
um, and we are expecting to put that in the market in uh, in 2020. So um, again, this is an example that what we have is really it, it is an entirely new uh, coding process where you actually do the coding of your of your membrane with the aquaponic inside formulation, and from that we can create a lot of different types of uh, novel membranes uh, going into uh, different standard form factors like spiral wound elements, uh, hollow fiber modules uh, or tubular modules. And it is, as you also know, very important to, to pick the right standard form factor depending on which um, application you're looking for. So, uh, so specifically for milk, uh, the, the right standard form factor would be uh, tubular membranes. Mm -hmm. All right. So, I mean, um, looking to uh, the current, uh, let's say, the conventional water market. I mean, I, I like the word I would put it, conventional water treatment technology, I would say. So, mm -hmm. the way how they work, for example, the technology providers of liquid osmosis, ultrafiltration, uh, microfiltrations. So, they offer their products, they offer mm -hmm. simulation tools, they offer them to, um, um, to almost anyone. Anyone can download the, the software. And mm -hmm. then, most of the time, they sell their product to the OEMs. Sometimes, some of them, they bypass the OEMs and they sell them to the end users when it comes to the replacement. So, this is kind of the strategy that is happening right now with, I mean, in, in, in the conventional water market. So what is it differentiating from, let's say, aquaporin? So I, I think, uh, uh, first of all, I think, you know, the, the, the concept of using something from nature in, uh, in a large industrial context is a little bit of, uh, it's a leap of faith in, in a sense that, uh, it's not a lot of people from the conventional water industry that understands how a living cell works. Um, so in that sense, what we have uh, tried to do is we have actually, we actually focus on establishing a little bit of a closer relationship with our customers than uh, a software solution provides. So um, in, uh, I think the software solution that other uh, membrane providers also provide the, with, to the uh, to the market is is good and it's uh, useful but what we have done until now is that we have tried to establish a closer and more direct uh, dialogue with the with the customers both in order to uh, together with the customer to uh, actually to develop our value proposition for each specific uh, market um, and uh, also to understand that what the end user is really looking for is, is, is a unique uh, system solution. And you get the best system solutions if you have a very good understanding of the core technology and also how you integrate that in, uh, into the uh, uh, system solution that, uh, that is what the end user is looking for. He's not looking for whether it's, a, it's an aquaponic-based membrane or whether it's a down membrane. He's just looking for the best solution. Um, from a system point of view. Um, and we think we actually develop that best in close collaboration with our customers. So we have a lot of a very close dialogue with the, the customers that are piloting. And I think that is what differentiates us uh, right now in the market space, is that we actually are willing to, uh, to have that very close dialogue with the customers in order for them to understand how they best utilize the uh, the selling points of our technology in uh, in their value proposition to the end user right so it's kind of working close with with the end user and the oems to make yes. sure because at the end of the day it's not plug and play technology and it's not all technology it's something very if it's close to human cells that's something which should be not easy, I would say, to, to, to manipulate and to get best out of it. And, um, and um, is it, for, for instance, if we are talking about um, um, in the future, I'm, I'm talking about, let's say, the, the long-term vision of aquaporin. Um, so is it something that you are working on long-term that in the future will be some kind of simulation tools for forward osmosis and also for um, reverse osmosis 
made by Aquaporin, let's say? Yes, it is for sure something that we're working on. Um, we are already in development of these uh, tools. Um, so, um, right. For sure, yes. Yeah. And, and I have been studying, I mean, the digital contents of, um, um, of Aquaporin and looking to also to the big RO and UF players in the market. So one of the things that I find it's maybe I didn't probably, but according to my, my, my let's say my studies, studying to those uh, 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 homepages, I find something very interesting and unique in your, um, in your blogs and homepage, which is you are talking about um, garage and an incubator for startup and also mm -hmm. your activity in water in space and also with the United Nations. Um, so, and I mean, from, though, from where those ideas came up and, and, and then what is, let's say, the motivation behind going to unusual places, I would say. Yeah, I, I think uh, uh, from day one, uh, I think we've, uh, we've tried to uh, establish, I would say, a very um, close uh, dialogue and uh, even collaboration with the, uh, with, uh, the uh, what surrounds us in society. Uh, and the first part of that journey is that uh, in our technology development, we have really used open innovation as a mindset. So. Um, during the, the first 10 years of uh, development, which was before Aquaporin uh, became uh, commercial, you could say, where we were only uh, uh, developing our, our core technology, um, we used uh, public-private partnerships and open innovation uh, as a tool to accelerate our technology development and also to use it as a way to uh, to gear our our own invested capital with uh, with uh, co-grants from the governmental side, so uh, having this interaction in um, in public-private partnerships where you collaborate with other industry players, with uh, different universities or institutes, uh, in an open innovation mindset is really, I think, what enabled us actually to uh, create the technology breakthrough and get us to uh, speak these. Uh, six or seven different types of uh, technological languages that you need when you again start in molecular biology and end up in plumbing um, and it is a little bit more the, the same uh, mindset that we for instance bring into the aquapoint garage where what we do in the aquapoint garage is that we actually invite uh, uh, startups to uh, sit in aquapoint facilities uh, for free for up to two years uh, and we do that in order to inspire uh, entrepreneurship uh, and innovation in general because we uh, we like that and we think it is uh, important that uh, that we help each other in the in the uh, initial phases of uh, entrepreneurship i know from myself that in the beginning there's a lot of people that would like to help you for around 200 dollars an hour <laughs> and uh, it, that's a little bit tough. <laughs> so, because in the beginning, you don't really have a lot of money. Um, and uh, so, so what we are trying to do is to give a little bit back to the uh, entrepreneurial world through the, uh, through the garage. And then it also creates uh, an environment in our own facilities that is inspiring for, uh, for our own employees. Um, we do the same in the Aquapon Academy, where we invite students from the Danish Technical University and other universities in the Copenhagen area to come and do student projects uh, in Aquapon in collaboration with our uh, scientists and uh, membrane developers. And uh, of, of course we do that because then we can uh, skunk on a lot of different uh, things that we would not have the time to do ourselves. Secondly, we also do it actually to uh, as a food chain for future employees into Aquapoint. And it also helps to create an inspiring environment in our, in our daily work. Uh, and the third example that um, I will give you, which is, I see it as a, putting sort of a new dimension on things, uh, is that we are also collaborating with, uh, with uh, for instance, uh, an artist group where we have created a primer, which is a, 
it's a collaboration where we uh, collaborate uh, uh, you could say artists and scientists together um, in order to inspire each other in the daily work um, and that is again also to uh, to make life uh, your your work life uh, a little bit more inspiring um, if you look at the different industries today what people is that they're really focused uh, in their own uh, in their own uh, speciality um, and you are in your own uh, silo so to speak and uh, the entire journey of developing the the Aquapoint inside technology is really to try and break down these silos and try to uh, understand uh, people in other areas or in another silo. And uh, again, it's uh, it is a little bit the same uh, that we do in this uh, project uh, together with the artists from Diachron in our common project called uh, Primer, uh, where we uh, create a space where our artists and scientists can work together. And in that sense, we are trying to put a fourth dimension on these uh, public-private partnerships that we used in, in the open innovation where we actually created our technology. In the public-private partnerships, it is uh, universities, it is Aquapoint, and it is other uh, industrial players that create the three different dimensions. And if we put a fourth dimension on that called art, then we might actually be able to uh, develop things that we cannot even imagine ourselves. Um, and that's when it becomes really interesting. I mean, I can, I mean, I, I think what you said, it's definitely what we need right now in our work, um, um, let's say atmosphere. And what, when you say it's um, uh, to, let's say, to cross technology or cross, let's say, disciplinarily, I mean, to speak, to open the dialogue between, if I'm a chemist, say open dialogue with biologists, with physicists, and then, if we see the problem from different angles, we may come up with something which is could solve it better, as you said. And I also remember one of my colleagues, Peter S., he always said that the solution is actually it's not in your office but in, in between the four walls. You need to get outside your office, go either to the customers or other colleagues, and then you can find some other solution, innovative solution. Yeah, exactly. And that, that's the entire idea of us working with open innovation in general and also doing the Aquapoint Garrett, the Aquapoint uh, Academy and, and actually also doing the art and science uh, projects that we do in Primer. Right. And then, I mean, one thing, Peter, I mean, when you, um, when you uh, meet with young entrepreneurs and I have been, let's say, uh, meeting so many of them and it's very brilliant. And it, it, are they, let's say, um, are they afraid from the water market because it's monopolized between two big giant fishes in the water market and there is nothing left for them? Or you encourage them, you said, okay, it's, it's still opportunity for everyone. It's not already controlled by the big fishes, I would say. Um, I, think there, I think there's a lot of uh, opportunities in the water market space, but it's, it is uh, it is also a very conservative industry, so your route to market and your go to market strategy is extremely important. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, what what we are in aquaponics, we are sort of a crossover between uh, the biotech industry and uh, the water industry, and uh, in many ways that is also a cultural gap and a cultural clash uh, from an innovation point of view. Uh, in the classical biotech industry, it is not unnormal that um, um, that companies like uh, Novozymes or Merck or other leading companies in the in the biotech space or life science space, they use uh, 15, even up to 20 percent of their revenue for R&D. Mm -hmm. um, in the uh, in the more conventional water industry. Um, a normal number is uh, around 50 times less. So uh, it is uh, well below 1% that uh, most companies in, uh, in the water industry uses for R&D. Um, that's because it is a very conservative industry where when you deal with water, uh, security is uh, number one priority. Uh, and secondly, the, uh, the market adaption for new technology is also very slow. 
Um, and I can understand why it is because uh, security is important uh, when you deal with water. But uh, there are so many things that you can do in water treatment processes. For instance, in the in the food and beverage industry, or in treating difficult wastewater streams that uh, nobody can do today. Um, and uh, in that space, you have a lot of opportunities where actually you're not competing against the established players, but where you're closing a technology gap that nobody solves today. Um, if you look at, for instance, uh, industrial wastewater treatment, it's uh, approximately 80% of all wastewater in the world is uh, is uh, released into the environment without adequate water uh, treatment. Which is 80%. a huge opportunity for the membrane and for any other technology that can treat it. Yes, exactly. And it is actually because the conventional membranes, they cannot provide the uh, the solutions um, a good example is also our is our um, is our collaboration with nasa where we actually close the technology gap that has existed since we landed on the moon that's 50 years ago um, and when we do our our uh, piloting with nasa they actually say we have been looking for a technology like the uh, our component inside for osmosis technology since we landed on the moon. We cannot do what you can do with your technology in a single step with any other conventional technology. First of all, that makes you a little bit proud, but that actually also shows you that there's a lot of opportunities in treating wastewater. Uh, and if you look at, for instance, urine, which is what NASA reuses for space travels, uh, you can, you can, uh, you can call that human wastewater, which is difficult to treat. But there are so many other types of uh, industrial wastewater that are also very difficult to treat, where you have many tons of water that is being released into the environment untreated today. So, um, right. so there's a lot of opportunities and it's a matter of uh, choosing the right entry markets for your technology. So that's really what we are focusing on today too identify the right right beachheads for our different types of technologies and that's why we do that in very close collaboration with the uh, with the customer and the end user uh, because it is only together with them that we can create uh, and also prove the value proposition okay and then one of the I mean, last question um, looking to aqua pouring solution as a unique and very interesting solution um, um, what are the future, let's say, that's, um, that you are developing and what is their value to, let's say, to the markets? I mean, I'm talking about there is a fundamental future that needs to be, let's say, done or improved in aquaporing itself. And mm -hmm. there is also another step, which is the piloting, optimize the operating system and, and make sure how to use that, I mean, the aquaporing as any kind of applications but i'm not talking about this but i'm talking about aquaporin itself as a solution as a technology yeah. are there yeah. a future that uh, in development yeah yeah well from a commercial point of view the next couple of years we will be focusing on uh, on getting our tap water membranes into the point of use and point of entry in markets we will be focusing on bringing our fall osmosis uh, technology into the um, industrial wastewater market and the food and beverage market from a technology development point of view, we will be focusing on finalizing uh, our brackish water membrane development and our seawater membrane development, which is ongoing today and co-funded both by the European Commission and the Singapore government. Um, so that is sort of, a, you could say, the uh, uh, short-term track. And when I say short-term, it's uh, two to five years. If you then look at our component in a little bit of a longer context, I think what we really want to do is we want to uh, be able to uh, be a, a facilitator for this uh, convergence of getting different industry verticals to uh, collaborate and interact with each other, just like uh, Susan Hockfield describes in, uh, in her book, uh, The Age of Living Machines. Um, and if you look at Aquapoint from that context, then I think it's important to say what we have in the market today is uh, it's, uh, we think it's very good uh, technologies and uh, in, uh, in some markets we also close uh, technology gaps that have created, that has been existing there for decades. 
but it is also a first generation of our technology. And if you look at reverse osmosis membranes, they have been uh, they have been developed and on the market for 40, 50 years now. We've had our, our membranes on the market for one and a half year. So uh, in many ways, we also see it as a, as a first generation where we have created like an iPhone 3, but from uh, the foundation that we have now, we can also create an iPhone 6 and an iPhone 11. Um, and um, if you look at the more uh, conventional membrane providers that uh, that uh, have been developing their membranes for uh, for four to five decades, they are in a very mature state that without new biologics, new additives, new new ways of thinking, you are not really able to tweak that technology anymore. So they are, it has sort of, it is at its peak and it's good technology, but the room for improvement is very low. Whereas if you look at the aquaponics side technology, we have just started. So we can actually improve it for the next four to five decades. Uh, and that, that's really what we are aiming for going into the market uh, and then uh, continuously improving our products, either uh, internally, but also very likely in, uh, in close collaboration with, uh, with our customers, uh, with the end users, but maybe also with other uh, membrane providers. Um, so we actually have an open attitude to going into a joint uh, development with other membrane providers where we provide the aquaporin inside as a core component uh, and then they uh, bring uh, their uh, their membrane expertise into play as well and together we can create something that is uh, rather unique yeah. whereas if we do not combine efforts it uh, we we keep working in uh, in different silos yeah. hope that makes sense no, that makes perfect sense. And there is one thing that actually I learned which happened in the IT industry. And it's, it's something is quite, I would say, maybe more than a decade. They have a term which is competition. It's like cooperation between competitors like IBM and Google, IBM, Microsoft. They are competitors in the same space. But when it comes to some solution, they sit together and they develop products, which something I didn't see it now happening in the conventional water market. No, it's a, I'm not sure it will happen from the inside of the water industry either. It might happen from the outside uh, uh, because the, the water industry is, as you also mentioned, it is really uh, consisting of uh, uh, some, some rather big giants, but uh, there's always an opportunity in that because sometimes big giants become sleeping giants. Um, and uh, then you can uh, sneak on the outside of them and actually get ahead of them uh, without them uh, really uh, knowing. And I think what I see is that uh, I think actually that this, um, uh, this convergence of different uh, technological fields can also maybe come from the IT industry, maybe from other places, uh, other types of industries like the biotech industry that actually goes into the water industry and uh, brings the model muscles of big companies um, but from another industry vertical so uh, for instance uh, a good example is that the way that uh, lg uh, chemicals went into the water industry was an acquisition of a small uh, membrane company called nano h2o mm -hmm. uh, it was not a large player in the uh, membrane industry before LG was known for uh, you know mobile phones and flat screens, but now out of uh, the blue, they are also a big player in the water membrane industry. I think the same can happen if uh, if big companies, uh, either from the biotech industry or from the IT industry, uh, would uh, say we actually have a strategic focus in water, and then went into that uh, industry. Um, and I don't know what will happen uh, fastest, whether uh, the sleeping giants in the water industry wakes up or whether even larger players from the biotech uh, life science industry or the IT industry actually joins uh, the water industry. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's very good. Thank you very much, Peter. It's very good insight, I would say, and um, that um, I'm sure so many would, would like to learn so many things about aquaporin, about the vision of aquaporin. And before closing the episode, is there something that you would like to share with the audience? Uh, maybe there's uh, there's one thing uh, that I would like to uh, for people to understand, uh, and it is really that uh, the the idea of uh, making aquaponic-based membranes it is not a conceptual idea anymore. It is not uh, it is not an, an idea that is on the research and development uh, stage. It is something that is real. It is something that is in the market today, both for new types of reverse osmosis membranes and also uh, for osmosis membranes. And uh, with the combination of these different technologies, you are actually today able to create unique solutions uh, for the uh, uh, for the water industry. And when I say the water industry, it's always a little bit of a funny word because all industries deal with water. So. Uh, in that sense, it's really hard to define a water industry, but then because then you would actually have to uh, include all industries, <laughs> all <laughs> industries use water. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's it's real. It is something that is there. Uh, Aquaporin today has an installed uh, production capacity of millions of square meters of membrane, and it is uh, uh, it is really something that uh, that is ready to go into the market big scale. Thank you very much, Peter. Thanks a lot. And uh, with that, I think we can close the, 